You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host Neil Pickup, and it is on. Welcome back to the show, guys, and as the dust settles on WAL 501 in Pittsburgh, we have the opportunity to look back at what transpired in the World Arm Wrestling League's opening card of 2019. Heading into Pittsburgh, all eyes were firmly fixed on the battle between Todd Hutchins and No Limits' Devon Larratt. But another match with massive significance that took place on the 501 card was the middleweight title battle between Craig the Fury Tullier and Rob Vigent Jr. Rob Vigent Jr. had an incredible 2018 and the reigning and defending middleweight champion of the world set his stall out early in season 2019 with a dramatic and impressive victory over an explosive and dangerous opponent who'd caused some serious stylistic issues for Vigent Jr. in their past encounters. Throughout his reign as champion, we've seen RVJ evolve at the arm wrestling table. The champ had explained at great length in pre- and post-match interviews that he'd been working diligently to correct some of the technical issues that have caused him problems in the past. WL501 presented the perfect opportunity for the champion to back up these claims, and that's precisely what he did. Craig Toulier possesses a ferocious double hit, which he's used effectively to notch up wins against most of the middleweight division's elite. But on this occasion, Rob Vigent managed to get the brakes on, and that versatility and horsepower was enough to retain the title. In the days leading up to the Pittsburgh event, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk at length to Rob Bidgent Jr. Here's a look back on how Rob saw things as he headed into his first title defence of the new season. Okay, Rob Bidgent Jr., middleweight champion of the world. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me. Hey, that's what she said. Now then, as we go into Pittsburgh, 501, your first title defense. And it's against a tough one, mate. You've got Craig Tuyer, the Fury. This is a guy who brings a lot of weapons, and it's a man that you know quite well. I think you guys have locked up before, yeah? Yeah. Uh, we've pulled uh, only one super match before, about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. and had kind of a controversial outcome from my standpoint. But, uh, you know, if you want to be top dog, you can't shy away from matches that make you uncomfortable. But, you know, this match definitely has me uncomfortable. He's got a lot that he brings that is uh, contrasting to me. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, a lot of guys 
look at you specifically as an athlete, Rob, and they see that you've got the tools for the trade. It looks like you've been churned out of the top shelf for the arm wrestling shop. You've got like sparrow legs. You've got massive upper body. Your forearms enormous. Your hands huge. You've got just about every conceivable weapon you can think of. And not only that, you can pull in any position. But Craig Tuye is a difficult man to train for because the guy's got so much speed and he's got that pretty unique double hit. He doesn't seem to lose any impact on that second drive. Mm. Have you got sort of bad memories? You got any nightmares going into this one from your previous encounters? Yeah, I talked to a lot of people in, in trainings. They have their opinions on how this match will go based on my current condition. But I tell people it's like a boogeyman. Uh, when you're like an abused child and you uh, grow up to be a big man and all of a sudden your abuser can't take advantage of you anymore, you still have those memories of uh, when you see that person, the, that fear of being struck in you. And my only memory of Craig Toulier, regardless of the whys or hows it happened, was taking a loss. Mm -hmm. So I walk into this match uh, a little shooken because I've yet to you know, for one reason or another, put his hand to a pad. So, yeah, he's he's my arm wrestling boogeyman right now more than anyone else. Now, let's dig into that a little bit, mate. What exactly about Craig was it that caused you so many problems in your previous encounter? Well, I think it was a combination of things. I think uh, the rules were undefined. I think my shape that I pulled in wasn't was far from optimal. I think I took him a lot lighter than I should. I should have given him the respect he deserved. And um, he's a different uh, character than he's, he brings a different weaponry than most guys. His, his level of acceleration and power and uh, how he gets to what he needs, where he, his efficiency to get what he needs is, is really high level. So um, I'd have to pull him in the shape I'm in to be able to dissect him better and with uh, a little tighter guidelines. But all you know is it's like getting uh, beat up when you're drunk. You know, you don't know if it's because you were legless or the guy is just a, a, a bar wrecker or a killer. Yeah. So you, you, right now I just have a memory of him being ultra fast, ultra powerful, ultra efficient. And I've prepared for that. I've prepared for the worst. You know, I've got the, the boarding on the windows. I've got the tie downs on the foundation. I'm, I'm, I'm bracing for an F5. Mm-hmm. Now, to be perfectly honest, mate, I think uh, when I try and analyze you and I look at what you do and what you uh, have been known to do in the past, I think because you're such a strong puller and you're so well-rounded, I think you've got a tendency to try to dominate guys in the setup and then sort of hold anything they've got. So basically, you'll try to hang on to them off the start. Rather than trying to be a, a boxer, you'll be the puncher. You'll try to be the guy that bullies the, the, the match right from the, the word go. And I think it's mm. very difficult to do that with Craig because this guy is elusive. He accelerates very, very hard, and he's he can do that in multiple directions. So it makes mm. him a difficult read. Do you think mm. in the past you've been a little bit frustrated when you've pulled Craig? Is that something that you're conscious of in that you've tried to – do you feel like you've tried to hang on to him a bit? Well, I think I've had a history of doing that with near everybody, and that was part of my uh, awakening. Craig, Craig put me in a space that um, made me rethink the game. I was going to be one of those people that was going to half-ass, show up at tournaments and look like a jerk, or 
I was going to get it together and show up in a proper form and take the craft seriously to compete at that level and, and not show my ass and not you know, <coughs> make people famous on my name. Uh, so really, when I dialed into being a, a top-of-the-line arm wrestler again was after that loss with Craig. Craig was the one that made me either shit or get off the pot. Um, so I think what I've got, what I've worked on and what I've done is really been an evolution differently than where I've been in the past. In the past, I've been guilty of all those things, catching, you know, kind of playing to other people's strengths, just letting the match stop, you know, but I think I'm a, a, a lot more efficient and, uh, this year is going to be very indicative of where I'm really at. So Rob, Let's look into what you were just talking about there and, 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 and say that, or it's fair to say that last year, 2018, you were on a tear. You looked like an absolute serial killer. You were running through your opponents. And if you look at common opponents, such as Jordan Sill, Craig came out on the losing side of that. You, in the middle round, seemed to get into your groove and you look like you're having fun up there. That's, that's got to give you some confidence. Yeah, of course. I mean, common opponents give you a gauge on where someone's at. Uh, last year, I felt good. Uh, I had a, a, it was the start of getting things in motion. So when you go on common opponents, it's good to draw on that. I've done a lot of uh, video research and uh, see what I can out there. The internet's a beautiful place to do that. But, you know, this year is different. It's It's 2019. And I really think that Last year was just the start of getting at that bottom of the roller coaster, and I did so many years of battling injuries and mm, lifestyle and training and lack of that I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a new level that's that's gonna be really tough this year. Now you're the type of guy that I think everybody's always thought, my God, if this fella gets his act together, if he comes with his A game every time, very very few people, certainly in North America, can do a great deal with him. What really have you had to change? I mean, it seems like you're a very, very focused, very committed athlete right now. You're taking the title very seriously. And a lot of people feel like it's going to be uh, pretty difficult to, to rip that away from you. What major changes have you made to what you do at the table, to your preparation? Is it mostly physical? Is it mostly mental? What, just walk us through a little bit, mate. Yeah, it's really the whole spectrum. Uh, training. Uh, my kids are getting a little older, so it frees up a little time. I can uh, put in a little more time, uh, time-wise, with getting to a table training, actually getting table time. I can do that on a weekly basis now. That helps with my uh, conditioning and table smarts. Confidence. I mean, I guess if you duped yourself by being a head case enough that it's almost you either continue down that spiral or you say, you know, you throw your hands in the air and what's the worst that can happen? I've taken second place. I've had my ass whipped on ESPN. I've done that. So once you survive that, you kind of got to look at it and say, you know, that if that's the worst it is, you know, what is there to be afraid of? Mm -hmm. um, even technically, I've looked at things like the straps. I've looked at my ability to initiate and stall the match center table. I've you know, listen to the uh, theology and methodology of people like Engen Terzi and how he goes about his uh, lineups and starting. And recently I've done that in uh, one of the tournaments I went to and I felt 
very dominant against guys that I would beat, but it was like, go, you know, kind of freeze them up and then roll from there. I felt like I actually had a lot of center line, off the line power. And a big one for me is I was, I had an injury that probably needed surgery that put me, I don't like to use percentages because I don't know how these guys come up with percentages, but it knocked my game down, you know, real big margin when I had my, I tore a rotator cuff and I never got surgery on it. And it took probably about six years for me to get it to where I could put pressure on it in an effective way to negate the other guy's pressure instead Mm -hmm. of being like a hand and bicep guy. Now I've got something coming across the table that is really formidable. And I haven't had that in a long time. So is it fair to say that going into this match, you definitely, you certainly sound like you're in a completely different headspace. I mean, obviously, um, I'm sure you've got that little haunting feeling in the back of your mind that we talked about at the start of the interview. But if you were sort of um, looking at the place you were in the first time you met, you said you weren't focused, you weren't prepared. This time, it sounds like you're taking Craig extremely seriously and you must be doing so against a backdrop of a pretty solid foundation of confidence. Yeah, I mean, confidence is only... uh... I got to rationalize with myself. I've got two demons in me, you know, or I've got a demon in me and I've got to talk around it. I've got to not feed into it. I've got the person that remembers the bad things, remembers the, the failures, remembers the shortcomings, remembers all that. But rationally, I've trained with the right people. I've sought out the trainings. I've driven to train with guys. So I knew I wasn't just uh, duping myself training with the same people. If I was actually as strong as I was feeling, I've tracked my numbers. I've actually made it a point of having a decent training regime and, and, and trying to see the progress in it. And it's pretty unanimous across the board that I'm a very different person than I was a year and a half ago in all aspects. So with that comes confidence. Showing up prepared. Preparedness will make you more confident in a situation. Am I going to be you know, pissing my pants the day of the event five minutes before? Probably. You know, there's always that second guess. But when it's go time, I, I believe I've done enough that my body will will maneuver how it has to. And you've obviously, you speak about the gains that you've made there. And and um, it's always great when you're getting that confidence boost from the guys that are on the table with you. You feel like an altogether different arm wrestler. What other gauges have you got, mate? Do you look at what you're lifting? I mean, how much of your training is based on moving weights and how much is based on table time and what you can do with other arms? I'd say it's about uh 50, 50. I, I go to, I know guys that have given me trouble and in the angles they've given me trouble and then how that's progressed to as I get conditioned, as I get more enduring. And then as I just get sheer stronger and then I'll do the lifts that are based around how I pull, if I'm pulling well or how I'm, uh, how I've evolved to pulling. I think the way I'm going to be pulling this year is going to be a little bit different than I've ever pulled in the last 15 years. It's it's a little different. So I, I use weights and pulls in, in the angles and directions that are conducive to that. I don't just move weight to move weight. I don't just pull weight to some some stupid-ass angle that doesn't correlate. I try to keep it consistent, and when I see the gauge, when I see those numbers go up, I can feel it when I get a hold of other people. My my hand and wrist, you know, when those numbers go up, I could feel when people hit into me, even top heavyweights that, you know, try to top roll me and I can just 
clamp them down through my hand. I can feel the correlation because I'm not lying to myself to just put a, a cool YouTube channel out there and make fake numbers, mm-hmm. you know? So I do gauge numbers on a, in a gym, but I, I try very hard to make them correlate to the actual motion of what I'm doing. Rob, thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again down the tracks this year and uh, having a having a bit of a, a, a shoot, a chat, and a couple of beers. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, we'll be talking to you in Atlanta before you know it. Welcome back to the show. I'm Neil Pickup. You're listening to World Arm Wrestling League this week. And let's pick up exactly where we left off. So, I'm here with a very good friend of mine. This uh, this arm wrestler and myself go back many, many years. Craig Toulier, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you, Neil. I'm very glad to be here. Just, uh, just for people who don't know, I mean, myself and Craig, I'd say it's fair to say we literally grew up together in the sport of arm wrestling, mate. We, we, we faced each other across the table. We've been and cheered each other on in many countries around the world. Um, some good times, brother. You're right, Neil. We went way back when we were young teenagers. It's, it's, we've, we've grown in the sport. It's unbelievable, man. All the countries and all the times we've spent. It's awesome. And uh, it's great to see you still banging away at the very elite level, mate. I'm very, very proud of you in that respect. And let's talk about that. I mean, moving into uh, WL501, you have another shot. You've got a real shot, and it's against the current reigning champion for the title. Rob Vigent Jr. is the man with the hammer right now. And I wanted to just start right there, Craig, because if we look at your sort of history in the World Arm Wrestling League, it's fair to say that in the old format, prior super match, you were an athlete that on the right arm twice finished runner-up to Todd Hutchins, who then sort of vacated the middleweight title and went up to heavyweight. Where does that sort of leave you from a confidence perspective? Do you come into this match feeling like you really are the natural challenger, the, the, the guy who should have got this shot? I definitely feel like that I, I, I've deserved the shot um, after finishing second to Todd uh, back-to-back. And the last time we we had some really really grueling matches, um, I I think I deserved the shot, and I'm really really feel honored to get the chance to pull Rob Benjamin for the title. Um, I feel very confident in going going into this match for the title too. Now it's fair to say you guys have had history. Rob's not alien to you. you it's not your first rodeo. You both uh, faced each other. How many times in total? I know two. I think that I'm aware of. Yes, we we uh, we arm wrestled uh, up in, in in Connecticut where where he has this New England tournament and uh, mm-hmm. the state championships and uh, we did uh, best uh, best two out of three and um, we it went uh, I, I beat him three zero. And when you look at yourself stylistically, I think um, if Rob Vigent Jr. has a weakness and he's got very few, it's fair to say, it would be that trying to boss the match, bully the match and own the match very early. And you're the type of arm wrestler that can cause him problems because of the fact that you hit so hard. And I'd say you're quite unique in that you've got that double hit. Yeah, that's correct. Um, You know, the biggest thing is Rob's uh, hand and his start for his his, uh, initiation of the matches is is where it gives a lot of people trouble. And um, 
you know, the object of the, of the match is for anybody, not just including myself is, is to change his angles to where he can't, he can't get to that spot. Mm-hmm. And I've studied it so many times and studied him so many times that it's, you know, it's, I can do it in my sleep. I just, I know where I need to go with him and, and what I have to stop. And, and that's where you have to go with him or you're going to be in trouble because he's a very strong arm wrestler. I respect him. He's a, he's got all the tools to, to be in the spot that he is. Yeah. He really has got the tools. I mean, you speak about men that are made for the the job. Uh, I mean, I, I see that guy's whole physique and you think, Jesus, where'd you get that? The arm wrestling shop. I mean, he's got balsa wood <laughs> legs. He, he really does. I mean, he's, he's uh, I think I, I said it in the first broadcast that, you know, his, his, his legs are, they're just not there. Every element is all distributed in the right places. Massive forearm, massive upper arm, huge hand. He's got all the weapons there. How do you feel when you're facing a guy like that? What do you do to plan it? How do you go in, into that match? Well, you know, the biggest thing is uh, I don't have, you know, in the middleweight division, I have about a medium-sized hand. So some of the times I'm, I'm facing guys with big hands. You know, Todd has a bigger hand than me. And uh, Rob Vengeant also, you know, Rob's hand is is probably the the first part that gives everybody, including myself, a little uncomfortable feeling. Um, so what you know, when you're going into the match, you know, the first thing that when I'm going into the match is, is I have to make sure that he can't be, you know, I can't allow him to get too high because he he will close his hand. And it's so big that when he closes it, he's going to be high on you and kind of post it up to where you're going to be under him. And you definitely don't want to be under that big hand because it just gives him his angle that he needs to go back and around your hand. Do you feel like, I mean, you mentioned it a moment ago, he's a very, very strong man. Do you feel like somewhere in Rob's mind, he feels like he is the stronger man and he wants to prove that he's sort of in a way trying to contain you, trying to hang on to you. And and in doing so, does that give you something to hit? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, he, I think he's coming into this match confident, including myself. But I think after what happened to our last matches, I think that he does, in the back of his mind, he has some worry there because mm-hmm. it's not going to be just like a ordinary match to him, and he knows. So I, I think that there's going to be some fear, and right off the bat, he's going to have to change up something because he knows that that it, it, it's it, there's a dangerous spot right there that he does not want to go. Um, do I think he's a stronger man? I think in some of his aspects, he might feel that he is in certain angles, but also he knows I'm stronger in the others. And I, I really do think that, that he, he feels that way. I mean, I I feel that he's strong, uh, stronger than me in certain angles, but also I feel I'm stronger, definitely coming across and with my, my, my side pressure and down pressure. Let's talk about sort of, uh, static power and explosivity. I mean, you're, if you look at Rob Vigeant, Rob is the type of guy that you'd never really describe as being lightning in a bottle. He's not the type of individual that flash pins people. Rob is that type of guy that uses the weaponry well. He's a very complete arm wrestler. He's very technical. And he usually gets to a position and then finishes the match. Yourself, you seem to be the guy that's looking to just blow through somebody, fire through bushes, just absolutely rage do you think that gives you a big advantage in that you will get to initiate here in the match? I think it does. You know, um, you know, if you explode through somebody and you get them out of their, their comfort zone and on, on a, on a position to where they're not 
where they're strong or feel good, then they're going to be grasping for straws and it's going to really, really detour the match from what they were planning. So I really do think that, that um, being explosive like I am, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it helps, but also I, I can, I can pull long grinding out matches also, you know, that's the thing too, that, you know, I know, you know, yourself knows, but a lot of these other people don't know that, you know, it doesn't have to always go just one, two over. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, let's dig into that there a little bit, Craig. And when you, when you sort of see this match in your mind, as we all do, you sort of spec out a match in your mind and you think, yeah, this is how it's going to go. Are you training for that? Are you planning for this to be a grinder or is that little voice in the back of your mind telling you that you're going to light this guy up five times. Do you think that you're going to go in there and the likelihood is that if you're to win this match, it's going to be at pace. I definitely think that it's going to have to be at pace. Um, Cause I think that he's coming with a little bit of a different aspect of what he did last time. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think that um, I prepared or the way I prepared for this match, I'm, I'm the strongest and in the best shape I've ever been in my life right now and i think i'm more i'm I'm the most ready i am to be able to go into a long grueling out match and then go right back to back because all of my training that i've been doing is two to two and a half hours straight of arm wrestling back to back with uh big guys that practice with Mm -hmm. big hands i've been practicing with 300 plus pound guys that are that are able to put me into a a major uh a bind far as into a top roll position to where i have to try to contain them and, yeah. um, and and my training has gone well. So I, I'm prepared to actually go the long mile with it. Now, if you were sort of writing a blueprint of where the holes are in Rob's game, just sort of break Rob Vigeant down for me. Where's his strengths? Where's his weakness? Where are the things that you think you'd be able to exploit? I think to start off with, Rob's strength points, he, he's strong all the way around. His hand is extremely strong. His wrist is strong. Um, the, the, the bicep is, is very strong. Even when you do turn him onto his bicep, he, he has a, a really, really tight sticking spot that's, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it before, is, is, mm-hmm. you know, it's right at that bottom. And um, that, that's the, the spot that a lot of people can't get him out of or finish him there if, if they do get him there. And I noticed that, you know, I, I went over this discussion with Kenny Smith before I actually pulled Rob Benjamin, and, uh, and, and and it happened the same thing with him. And then when I went and pulled Rob, you know, I noticed that right off the bat. And I was totally prepared for that. You know, w- what I can say going into the, the, the match, my strength points to, to, to break him down would be to, to turn his angle of his hand and wrist to where he's not going to be able to pull open my bottom of my hand and get me turned out and around. So once I contain that turn on him, Neil, I think that it's going to turn him slightly on his bicep. And then once mm-hmm. that side side pressure goes that way, then then I'm going to be to the strongest spot that I need to be. And then I can I can drag him away and finish him. I think that's that's pretty much where it's going to wind up going. I'm going into the match pretty confident that way. Now, if you look at this from the sort of opposite angle, we've talked about the physicality. From the mental perspective, do you think that, I mean, people have asked questions about Rob. He's the type of guy, he's almost like uh, like a Vitor Belfort type character. He, you know, if, <laughs> if he shows up to fight, he usually wins. But he is the guy that can come in there and lack that confidence and not give his best or not show up with everything that he has. 
you spoke earlier about the fact that you've faced each other before. When you did it went your way. That can go two ways. At the moment, Rob's riding that wave of confidence and he wants the validity. He wants to legitimise what he's got. Following uh, Todd's departure from the division, I think that's really key to him. He's been getting stick online about it. And I can tell you now, Rob's requesting matches with Todd Hutchins, left, right and centre. Do you think, because of the fact that you're a guy that has beat him in the past, he's going to want this more? He's going to come into this with a different mindset and he'll feel like he's the hunter rather than the hunted. I definitely feel that, that that's how he's taken this match because of what happened. Um, a lot of people online has been talking about uh, this is the best revenge match he's going to have. And, um, you know, I really feel that he's going to be coming into this match hunting me, like you're saying. I really do feel that way. Um, I, I'm fine with that. I feel that um, I feel more confident going into this match that I want it more because I want this title. I deserve it just like he's got it. I deserve it too. And I think that he's coming into this match to try to defend it because he's worried. When you look at Rob's history, recent history, against common opponents, it's difficult to see where you guys have faced one individual outside of Jordan Sill. Now, Jordan is, in some respects, quite similar to Rob. He's a guy who's physically gifted, those massive arms, gigantic hands, and Rob contained him quite well. With yourself... You came out on the losing end of that, but my God, you ran him to the absolute red line. Do you think that that was beneficial for you? Have you managed to make any adjustments off the back of the sill match? Because you took that at a heavier weight. Yeah, that was, uh, I gave, I gave away a lot of weight on that match. Um, also, I, I was fighting uh, some, some issues uh, with some shoulder injury for that match that actually was keeping me from pulling some of my, styles that I actually I needed to do actually with Jordan so okay. I had to relate just to what I was actually that match all I could really pull with my my strongest point was what I did with him and um I, I was close to the to the winning side of it uh you know it was some very very close calls that were iffy that that could have been called and made the match turn the opposite way but mm -hmm. in the in the end you know Jordan was the winner and and like you're saying you know he's He's definitely uh, a lot like Rob, and where Rob went with him is where I could have went or should have been able to go, but I couldn't because of my my shoulder injury at the time. Yeah. Um. Now, now I'm 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 over that, and that's why I feel so confident because I can go there and and and, and it's it's even stronger. Craig, I want to thank you for coming on the show, mate. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. Really uh, insightful, interesting stuff. And I expected nothing else from a man of your experience and pedigree. Thank you, Neil. Guys, I want to say thank you for tuning in to the World Arm Wrestling League this week with myself, Neil Pickup. We'll be back soon, and we can't wait to see you again. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.